Welcome to the teaching ministry of Rev. Daryl Baker, pastor of Christian Faith Fellowship. Pastor Baker is fulfilling the call of God on his life to preach the Word of God without compromise. Raising up disciples who through faith in God will have a powerful impact on our world. May you be blessed through the message that Pastor Baker has to share with you today. May God's very best be yours. We're going to start, if you'll notice on your notes, in 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 1. This is a really familiar verse with a lot of believers when you talk about this topic here. But I want to show you something about these verses. 2 Timothy chapter 1. Tonight's lesson and what we're talking about. Finding freedom from timidity. Freedom from timidity. Some would say bashful, but it just means really a cowering down uh, type of action or a cowering down type of of spirit, which we do not have. If, if we walk in timidity or, or in any sense of bashfulness on this planet, you know why we're doing it? We're doing it because we're not operating out of our new man. We're, we're allowing our flesh to get the best of us. All through the context of the Bible, we see over and over and over again that the very truth of what God reveals is that those who truly walked in the light of what God had for them to do, both Old and New Testament, were very bold in how they lived. And that's how God made, has made you and me. And we're going to see that right here in 2 Timothy chapter 2. Look at, look at your notes if you would. Number one, you have not been given, you've not been given the spirit of fear. Now, there's the definition of that word for you. The word there for fear is timidity. Timidity. Now, a lot of people refer to the fact, well, I don't have any type of a spirit of fear living in me. That's true. You don't. You have a new spirit. But that spirit is not in the sense a spirit of being afraid. This is referring to timidity. This is referring to backing down. Now, it would obviously could be affected by fear in your life. But the word so much isn't referring to fear as much as it's just talking of being timid. The opposite of what? Boldness. So, 2 Timothy chapter 1. Don't ever say, well, I'm just bashful. That's just who I am. No, that's who the old you is. That's the old fleshly nature. I used to tell people all the time, you know, I mean, I talk about it in my testimony. I say, you know, before I got born again and got called to preach the Word of God, I hated to get up in front of people and speak. I didn't like it, didn't want to do it. I was too, too bashful, too ashamed. Now you can't shut me up. Now you're like, when's, when, when are we going to quit, Pastor? You know, we do have jobs to go to. We got other things to do, praise God. But I'm telling you, when you start walking out of your spirit, man, you all of a sudden realize that's not who I am anymore. That might have been true of my old Adamic nature, but I don't have in my spirit, man, that old Adamic nature anymore. Amen. 2 Timothy 1, 6. Here Paul tells the pastor Timothy, young pastor Timothy, therefore I remind you. Now, if Timothy had to be reminded, I think we do. Yes. I remind you to do what? Stir up the gift of God. Underline that. Stir up the gift of God. Now, there is a translation. It's a more of a modern translation. I don't like to refer to it because it's got a lot of stuff taken out of it. But it actually does get this correct because in the Greek, the phrase here is to fan into a flame. Yes. To stir up the gift. The gift is the Holy Spirit here. Yes. Gift is the Holy Spirit. Now, the Holy Spirit is, a, is referred to all through Scripture in different contexts based on the aspect of what it's talking about with the Holy Spirit. And in this context, it's referring to that flame of the Spirit of God in you. Stir up here means fan into a flame. I've, I've, cho I've told you many times, we did, 
at our home the other night, you know, uh, Kathy said, hey, let's, let's do a fire tonight. We hadn't done a fire in our new home uh, since we bought this new home. I said, okay, so I start the new fire, I get the fire going, and after a while, of course, it goes down, the fire gets pretty low. There was a log left in there, yeah. no flames. And you know what I did? I went and stirred it up. And when I went and stirred that log up and rolled it over, all of a sudden, whoosh, here comes the flame. And see, you got to do that as a believer with this fire inside of you. That's what he's telling you right here. I'm reminding you. I'm reminding you to do what? To stir up the gift, fan the flame which is in you through the laying on of my hands. In the case of Timothy from Paul, verse 7, for God has not given us. He has not given us a spirit of fear. Now, I want you to get this. So relate this to understanding that that gift of God is the Holy Spirit living in your spirit. And when that Holy Spirit came to live in your spirit, he changed your spirit. I know you know it. He changed your spirit. And therefore, he's not given us what? A spirit of fear. Or what? Timidity. Say, that's not me anymore. So don't even think about getting embarrassed, witnessing to people, standing up for Christ, etc. Well, you know, I just get embarrassed doing that. I'll tell you why. You're You're functioning out of your old Adamic nature. You're not letting your spirit rule. I so want to teach on this to our church, and, I'm, and I know I'm going to, but I'm kind of slowly letting God deal with me about this through Summerall's teaching we're doing. But you got to understand the significance of functioning out of your spirit, man. I'll take a little rabbit trail, give you a little extra nugget tonight. So the Bible says the kingdom of God is within you. Think about that statement. Where's the kingdom now? It's in you. What is the kingdom? The dominion of the king. The dominion of the king. What king are we talking about? Jesus. All things, all things the scripture says have been put under his authority. All things. So think about the dominion of the king. The dominion of our king, King Jesus, is literally going to be overcome or overtaken by what? Nothing. What does the minion of our king do when it shows up? It establishes authority and who the true ruler is. Now stop and think about this. Where's that kingdom now? It's in you. How come it ain't working through us? We ain't operating out of our spirit, man. When you function out of your spirit, man, guess what gets released? The dominion of the king. So let me add a little nugget, another nugget with that. So what is the kingdom of God made of? Bible tells us. It's not meat and drink. It's not natural things. What is it? Righteousness, peace, and joy. Let me just try to let me just try to stick a little early nugget into your spirit, man, to really want to learn how to operate out of your spirit, man, tonight. Okay? So the dominion of my king resides in me. Say that. The dominion of my king resides in me. Say it again. The dominion of my king. Close your eyes. Listen to what you're saying. Listen with your heart. The dominion of my king resides in me. Say it this way. The dominion of King Jesus lives in me. Why? Why is it in there? So you can use it. So you can use it. That kingdom is made up of what? Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. When we function out of our spirit, man, watch this. We function out of what we now have the right to. What's the kingdom made up of? Righteousness. So the first thing we learn is when I function out of my spirit, I'm functioning out of what I have a right to. The reason God gave you the gift of righteousness is that now gives you the right to that dominion. That gives you the right to use the authority of God. When you were made right with Jesus, you now have the right 
to the name of Jesus. And the right to exercise his power, his authority in this earth. You didn't have that before you got born again. But when you got born again, the kingdom came to live within you. And a part of that kingdom, the the dominion of our king is righteousness, which means you now have the right. So I don't have to do anything to earn the right to use that dominion. All I got to do is learn how to use it. And I simply learn how to use it by functioning out of my spirit, man. If I function out of my spirit, man, I now tap into what I have a right to. Which is the dominion of my king. All authority. All authority. You've been given the name that's above every name. In which every knee must bow. Right? Every tongue confess. Why do we not see that working when I speak the name? Because you're not speaking it out of your spirit, man. You're speaking it out of your head. It's got to come out of your heart. You got to function out of your spirit, man. When you function out of your spirit, man, when words come up out of your spirit, man, and you speak them with your mouth, let me help you. Dominion's being released. Dominion of the king. So, one, when I function out of the dominion of the kingdom, I am functioning in what? Righteousness or what I have a right to. As I do that, as I do that, number two, what will I experience? I'll, I'll experience peace. Amen. Now, the Bible defines that peace for you. It's a peace, you ready? That passes all understanding. Philippians says, passes all understanding. What does it do? Guard your heart and your mind. You know what that means? When I'm functioning out of my spirit, man, guess what I'm totally raptured up in? The peace of God. It's a spiritual force. It's not ecumenical. It's not something outside. It's a spiritual force within me. It's a spiritual force within me. It is so strong and it is so powerful That when I'm functioning out of my spirit, man, guess what the devil can't do? He can't rattle me for a second. He can't get me in fear. He cannot get me in any form of anguish or torment of any kind because I am now operating in the full function of peace. And that peace passes all understanding. And it guards my heart and my mind. What's all understanding? What you understand and see in the natural. Guess what God's peace does? Overrides all of that. To where those things in the natural would try to disturb you and distract you and rob you of your peace. Guess what? When you function out of your spirit, man, it can't happen. Because you've tapped into the dominion of the king. And you're now functioning in a peace that other people have no knowledge about. And that peace will guard your heart, your inner man, but it'll also guard what? It'll also guard your mind. And guess what you need guarded? Your mind. Because guess where the enemy's going to try to get you in a position to get out of the spirit realm? Your mind. But when I'm functioning at peace, guess what? I'm not functioning out of my mind. That peace guards my mind. It keeps my mind from getting agitated. Keeps my mind from getting fearful. What's the last part? Joy. What's a sign you're functioning out of your spirit, man? You're walking around with a lot of joy, darling. And I'll tell you what, there's proof that the body of Christ certainly is not functioning out of their spirit man very much because they ain't walking around in a whole lot of joy. And I'm not just talking about shouting and running around and, you know, jumping up and down. But in the midst of adversity, you got a smile on your face. Not because of what's in your head, because of what's in your heart. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Now, wait a minute. That literally refers to the fact that you have a supernatural strength, not a normal strength. You have a supernatural strength from God that will sustain you through anything you face. Jesus walked in it. 
So Jesus is on the earth. He knows he's going to go to the cross. And the Bible tells us in the New Testament that he who for the joy set before him, excuse me, who the joy set before him, the cross. See, he didn't count it as something that was going to be horrible to go through, although he knew it would be challenging. But because he was functioning out of his spirit, man, dominion was being released out of our king, King Jesus. And he's walking in a power and authority that he has a right to because he's the son of God. And because he is, guess what he has going forward in all that he deals with in his life? Perfect peace that can't alter his course or take him off a track. Even though the devil tried. Are you listening? And as he goes to the cross, what in the world is it that causes him to endure such suffering to the degree that most people would have died at the scourging? Supernatural joy. It's, it's a strength that actually rises you up above the circumstances and pushes you through. You can walk in it at work every day. Yes. Amen. Two amens and one yes. Amen. It's a supernatural force that's in you. Yes. If you're functioning out of that spirit, man, guess what's actually functioning through your body, through your very being? Joy. The joy of the Lord is a supernatural strength. This is all how you learn to function out of your spirit, man. I love something Dr. Sumrall said about how he lived his life in relationship to the spirit man. He said, Dr. Lester Sumrall only gives Dr. Lester Sumrall 30 minutes of each day. That's it. He don't get any more. And those 30 minutes of the day are when I have to get up, shower, shave, get all my stuff done to take care of my body. But the minute I'm done with that, Dr. Sumrall gets no more time of Dr. Sumrall's day. Now, God, through my spirit, gets the rest of my day. And that's why Lester Sumrall was such a a mighty man of faith. It wasn't just because his faith was great. It's because he functioned out of his spirit, man. Amen? Amen. For another study at another day. But I'm telling you right now, that's in you now. See, this, this is in you now. This spirit's in you now. This is what we're talking about. I didn't leave my subject. If you're functioning out of that spirit, man, you have no problem being bold. Are you listening? In some times, in relationship to how you walk in circumstances, you know what some people will think? They'll either think you're crazy. Some might think you're actually a little bit, you know, full of yourself, you know, because some did a summer all. But no, he just knew who he was because he was functioning out of that spirit, man. And therefore, he didn't function out of timidity. He didn't function out of fear. You listening? Watch this. Really, really close. Get these verses now. Look at this. Verse 6. I remind you to stir up the gift in you. Why? 7. Because God didn't give you a spirit of fear. What did he give you a spirit of? Power. Power. Love. Love. I want you to put a note next to sound mind. This is cool. I I am going to get in a major series on this part on dealing with this issue of our spirit, man, that will tie into this, but I want you to get this. The word sound mind, actually, in the Greek language, is the words for self-control. Guess what your spirit will do? Keep you under control, the old you. How do we know? Galatians tells us that. Galatians 5 clearly says that if you walk in the spirit, and that's not the Holy Spirit, if you walk in your spirit, guess what you won't do? You won't fulfill the lusts of the flesh. You know why? You're operating in a a governing system of self-control. Guess what you can't do? You can't, you can't walk in self-control with your flesh on the outer man. How do you walk in self-control? By letting the inner man dominate. Amen. Letting the spirit man dominate. Why? Because that's what you have within your spirit man. You have a self-control within your spirit man you don't have in your flesh. 
If you try to control your old fleshly nature through only means of outward external acts of what you try to do, you won't do it. Because guess how you overcome it? You overcome it with this inner man. You, you overcome it with this new spirit man. Say, that's my new spirit man. Read it again. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, timidity, but of... So what's in you now? The dominion of the king. What's in there now? The dominion of the king. And of love. See, when you walk in the light of love, guess what you walk in? Perfect peace. Love casts out all fear. See, all these tied to righteousness, peace, and joy. You listening? Righteousness, right standing, gave me what? Gave me the ability to do what? To be able to walk in the authority and the power of God. Peace is exercised because as I walk in that context of that new man, I'm going to have peace because I'm also going to do what? I'm going to walk in the reality of God's love for my life because I'm operating out of my spirit. And, and perfect love casts out all, all fear. There's no reason for me to not have what? For me to not understand peace. And I have a sound mind. So if I'm functioning in the joy of the Lord, guess what? I have a supernatural strength. What does that do? That helps me overcome the old flesh. You could take and put next to these very notes right here of this context of these scriptures about the scriptures in Romans that says the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Verse 8, therefore what? Therefore what? Therefore what? Do not be ashamed. Why? Because you have no reason to be ashamed because of what? You got a new spirit, man. Do you see that? The therefore means we need to go find out what it's therefore. Why does he tell us not to be ashamed? Don't be timid. Come on, don't be timid. Don't be ashamed of your testimony, of the testimony of our Lord, nor of his uh, nor me, his prisoner, but share with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power, according to the power of of God. Understand that suffering simply means if I obey God and I do what God tells me to do, guess what the Bible says? The Bible says if you live godly, you'll suffer persecution. Paul knew that. But it's not going to stop me because I'm walking in the light of what I know I'm to do. So how is it that I don't walk in this timidity or this bashfulness or being ashamed of anything God's done? I'll tell you how. Verse 7, you function out of your spirit, which in verse 6, you have to do that. You got to do what? You got to keep stirring that thing up. You got to keep stirring the spirit of God up inside you. So what should we do? 1A, you must fan the flame, not quench the spirit whom God has given to you. You'll want to quench the spirit because if you quench the spirit, guess what you're doing? You're not functioning out of your spirit, man. I want you to get that. If I quench the spirit, what am I doing? You're functioning out of the Adamic nature. If you function out of your spirit man, what will your spirit man ever do or cause you to do to quench the Holy Spirit? Nothing. So the way I quench the spirit is by doing what? By functioning out of the old Adamic nature. What's one of the things I got to do to keep this fan, the flame, keep this flame alive in me? Don't quench the spirit. So what do you need to do? Function out of your spirit man. 1B, when we allow our spirit man to rule, the Holy Spirit will be able to be seen through us, resulting in power, love, and a sound mind or self-discipline, and not what? Not timidity. 1C, you must add fuel to the fire. Say it. You must add fuel to the fire. You're going to fan the flame. Guess what you need to do? Add some fuel to it. If a fire starts going out, what do you need to do? Throw some more wood on that baby. Add fuel to the fire. How do you do that? Fellowship with God, worshiping God, praying in the Spirit. Yes. Amen. Can I get a better amen? amen? 
What's the number one way we fellowship with God? Through the Word of God. Going to the Word and fellowship with God is putting, putting fuel on the fire. Worshiping God is putting fuel on the fire. How many of you, when we have these connector songs that you really like, and you start worshiping God, all of a sudden, you start, your fire starts getting ignited inside you? Amen? And also doing what? Praying in the Spirit. Because as you're praying in the Spirit, you're building up yourself on your most holy faith. You're fanning the flame. So for you to not allow this timidity or bashfulness of the old fleshly nature to rule you, what do you got to do? You got to continue to fan this flame of the Spirit of God inside you and therefore keep there uh, on top of that functioning out of your spirit. Keep the Holy Spirit uh, fire hot in you and you'll continue to function out of your spirit man as well. Amen. Go to Romans chapter 8. Let's look a little further. Hallelujah. I said Hallelujah. Don't ever tell anybody ever, never, ever again, I'm bashful. No, you're not. That's your old fleshly nature. Well, I, I'm just too tense. I'm too shy. I just can't talk to people. Really? You don't talk to any people at all. Not a single person. Up, well, I talk to people I know. That proves you can talk to people. I said that proves you can talk to people. You just don't need to function out of your flesh is all. You need to learn to function out of your spirit, man. See, a lot of people say, boy, if I just had, I'm serious, I used to say it, I used to say it. I used to, because when I first got hooked up with Koi, man, I mean, if you went with Koi anywhere in public, get ready. Because, <laughs> I mean, Koi at the drop of a hat, anywhere, at any time, in any place, could all of a sudden start talking to somebody, say things to them. I mean, stuff just to begin to start a conversation, to talk about the Lord. And a lot of times I'd be thinking, you know, even that person doesn't seem like they really want to talk to him. Didn't bother Koi. He didn't care if you want to talk to him or not. He didn't force conversation on him, you know what I'm saying? He stayed friendly, but I'm just saying it didn't bother him. And a lot of those conversations that kind of initially started off a little uncomfortable, seeming like, for the other person, all of a sudden they got pretty comfortable and started talking to him. But I mean, Coy would walk up to him, and I used to say, wished I had the boldness of Coy Huffman. You know what? What an ignorant statement for your pastor to say. You know why? You have it. He just functioning in it. I said, he's just functioning in it. Amen. Romans chapter 8, verse 15. You know what God needs today more than ever? He needs bold believers. Because yes. boldness, boldness is what's going to help prove to the devil, you're serious, man. You ain't, you ain't fooling around. Amen. I mean, you know, if, you, if you know, as a, you know, like example in the context of a battle, if you know that you're big enough to take on somebody else and overcome them, you're not going to be timid or shy at all walking up to them in that battle. See, this is why the devil don't want you bold, because he wants you timid and shy and afraid, and don't realize that you think I'm being timid or shy or afraid about other people, and you don't realize it's the devil that's causing you to be timid, shy, or afraid, because he don't want you to get that person one to the Lord. He don't want you to get them delivered or set free. He wants to keep them in bondage. Romans 8, 15, you did not receive the spirit of bondage. You did not receive a spirit of bondage again to fear. What's fear? Bondage. That's, that's not you. You don't have that spirit anymore. It's gone. Say it's gone. You did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we now cry out what? Abba, Father. The Spirit himself does what? Bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. If you are a child of God, you know, I've said it many ways and try to kind of explain it in a way in the natural just to try to make you understand it. You know, if I'm Baron Trump, 
Am I really concerned about walking up to my dad who's been a president of the United States? No, that's my dad. Do I have any concerns about really thinking that somehow I'm not going to be cared for or taken care of in the context of his family because of who I am? No, I know I'm taking care of because I know my dad. Right? I know my dad. I know my dad takes good care of me. If you really understand and walk in the light of your spirit, man, and who you are, guess what you know? I'm a child of God. My dad takes care of me. <laughs> Some of you get that after lunch tomorrow. It wasn't about Trump. It was about helping you understand an example to say, if my God is my father and I'm his child, my God won't take care of me. But see, we, walk in the, we only walk in the light of that when we walk in the revelation. If I'm a child of God, I'm an heir. And if I'm an heir of God, I'm also a joint heir with Jesus. Can I get a better amen? And the Holy Spirit, again, verse 16, bears witness with my spirit that this is true. My spirit bears witness with the Holy Spirit. That's true. I'm a child of God. So in your notes, bashfulness, shyness, and timidity are what? They're bondage because they're part of the old flesh. Part of the old fleshly nature. They're bondage. You weren't given a spirit of fear, which is a form of bondage. You have not been given... Or you've not received a spirit of, uh, a, uh, excuse me, you've not received a spirit of bondage again to fear. So a fearful timidity uh, believer is allowing themselves to live in a bondage that they shouldn't be living in because they've been freed from it. Yes. Allowing timidity and bashfulness and, and fear to overtake you puts you what? Puts you in bondage. But you need to wake up and say, that ain't the guy on the inside. Yeah, but when I try to get bold, man, it's really uncomfortable and stuff. Yeah, you know why it's uncomfortable? Tell you why. Because your flesh is being put on an altar as a living sacrifice. You listening? Living sacrifices obviously have a much more difficult time being made a sacrifice than one that's already dead. If it's a living sacrifice, as you are tying them down and trying to deal with them and sacrifice them to God so that they're not going to take control of you, it don't like that. It feels uncomfortable. You're to present your body as a living sacrifice. You won't function out your spirit, man, if you don't do what Paul did. And Paul said, I die daily. What's he dying to? That old fleshly man. So you and I got to realize timidity, shyness, all that kind of stuff, bashfulness, all the enemy's doing by getting us to function out of that old Adamic nature, which isn't who we are. He's putting us back into bondage. You think about this. He's putting us back into a bondage that we've already been liberated from. You know, it's like, it's like the lobster story. Just like the lobster story. Because you know how they catch most lobsters? They put a trap on the bottom of the seafloor and it has no top on it. And all it takes is for two lobsters to crawl in that trap. And all it takes for you is to get around and listen to the wrong people. Right. And once another lobster gets in that trap, they're done for. Right. They're done for. Proven fact. Because the minute one of those lobsters decide I'm out of here and starts trying to call out of the trap, guess what the other lobster won't let him do? He won't let him leave. He'll pull him back down. If he turns around and tries to crawl out, then the other one will turn around and pull him back down. And guess what happens? Other lobsters start seeing him say, there must be something in there. And so they all start crawling in the trap. And then before long, they all pull they, None of them let any of them get out. And all the fisherman has to do is just pull the trap up. And there's all them lobsters. Right. Make They're not even bound. They could walk out any time. There's no, there's no trap on the top. There's nothing to keep them in except their own stupidity. Right. That's good. Their own ignorance. I shouldn't really say stupidity, ignorance. They don't, all I got to do is crawl out of here anytime. But the other ones pull them back down. 
Well, you know what? A lot of Christians live in bondage. There's no, there's no trap. You're not, you're not in a trap you can't walk out of. The devil's trying to get you to walk into an actual little cage that he wants you to stay in. And if he can get other believers around you, it's a lot easier for him to keep you in there because they'll pull you down with a bunch of doubt and unbelief. Right? right? But you can walk out anytime you want. And this is why choosing your friends carefully is so critical. John chapter 3. John chapter 3. Because you don't have a spirit of fear to, that, that brings you what? Bondage. You're not in bondage. I said you're not in bondage anymore. If you feel like you are, it's because you're falling for a lie. Somebody's pulling you back down in the trap. Time to crawl up out of the trap. Somebody tries to pull you down. You just turn around and shake them off and say, see you. And you walk out of the trap. Even if you have to deal with yourself that way. All right, flesh, sorry, you're not keeping me in this trap anymore. Because, you know, I love the story that I, I tried to share Wednesday night. Thank God we got new internet at our house this week, finally. Maybe it'll, stay, maybe it'll work. But uh, as I tried to share, who got to hear that message from June Evans? If you did not hear it. You need to go hear that message multiple times. She puts in culmination in one story what we're teaching you about being operating out of your spirit, man. Now, it's not all the details because, I mean, it takes, you can take months to teach it. But it's a good rounded understanding of dying to the old me. And you got to understand something really clear. If you don't make the decision to recognize that I got to get me off the throne and I don't need to have me getting all of my way and what I want, I got to choose to allow me to, to die and let my spirit man come to the top and rise up and function as the leader of my life. If you don't learn to do that, you're going to walk in a lot of bondage that you don't have to walk in. She talked about how for years she grew up as an angry, frustrated young lady and how that affected her life for so many ways and so many different aspects of her life. A lot of people don't realize the reason they're so frustrated in life and angry about stuff and, and all this kind of stuff because you're functioning out of the old you. Amen. You crucify that person by doing what? By letting your spirit man rise up and dominate. And I'll guarantee you, you'll walk in a whole lot better life. John chapter 3. You there that? You there yet? Well, I don't know why I'm on Acts chapter 3. Why am I on Acts chapter 3? John chapter 3. John chapter 3. It is a little warm in here. Why don't you turn the air down one, one notch or turn the fans, all the fans around. John chapter 3. I want you to see this. Number 3 on your notes. There is nothing to keep us from being what? There is nothing to keep us from being what? Courageous. Underline it. There is nothing to keep us from being courageous. I would add to that, well, there is one. You. Because part of what June talked about, you know, as a statement that has been made for years and years and years, I have been looking for the enemy and I found them. Me. Me. Look in the mirror. That's the enemy because if I allow the old me to rule, guess what? I'm going to be affected by that nature in a way that's not good. John chapter 3. I agree with Dr. Barclay. Of course, I haven't heard every. But you think about all the great ministers that have gone through the pulpit of Living Word Church. Not knocking any of those other ministers, nor his, nor his pastor. His own words in his own church. He said, you just heard one of the best messages that's ever been preached in Living Word Church. Ever. John 3, verse 1. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus. He was a ruler of the Jews. Think about that. So here's Nicodemus, who's a ruler of the Jews. One who clearly knows Scripture who clearly knew about the Messiah to come, who clearly knew about his God, should. He knows all the scriptures, verse 2. But this man came to Jesus by what? Now, why would you do that? You're afraid. 
You're afraid of others, what they would say about you, what they would see you doing. Uh, oh my gosh, they're going to kick me out of the synagogue now. What are they going to do? They're going to take from me my position as a ruler in, of the Jews? This man came to Jesus by night and he said to him, Rabbi, we know, and this interesting, we know that you're a teacher come from God. He didn't doubt it for a second. For no one can do these th signs that you do unless God is with him. But Jesus said to him, Most assuredly I say to you, unless you're what? Born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. But listen to the point of John 1 and 2. This man came to Jesus by night afraid to be seen, although he even acknowledged that he clearly had to be a teacher who come from God, that he certainly was sent by God because nobody could do what he had done before. And yet, even knowing that, he still allowed fear to rule him in coming to Jesus. A lot of people, it's amazing, man, how many people know what Scripture says. Well, I know the Bible says that. There you go. It's sad to hear people who say, well, I happen to know, Pastor Barclay, uh, Pastor Baker, I know you speak the truth, but, but what? If we speak the truth, the truth will set you free if you'll take hold of it. Yes. On your notes, 3A, you don't have to sneak around in the dark of night. You know why? Because you are not what? Nicodemus, who wasn't born again yet. Nicodemus, don't give him too hard of a time, was still not born again. He still had a spirit of fear. Right. But you no longer do. No. Say no more sneaking around at night. I have no reason to walk around and sneak around at night. How about you? No. John 19. Why? Because you're born again. Nicodemus was not. John 19. Moving over to John chapter 19, looking at verse 38. 1938. After this, Joseph of Arimathea, being a disciple of Jesus, but secretly, after Jesus had been crucified, he was a disciple of Jesus. Underline it, but what? Secret. But what? Notice this, for fear of the... What's he operating out of? Oh, wait a minute, he's a disciple of Jesus. He's a disciple of Jesus. If he's a disciple of Jesus, he certainly learned somehow through Jesus while Jesus was here the things Jesus taught. He wasn't born again yet because Jesus hasn't been raised from the dead. You've been born again. But secretly he came for fear of what? The Jews. And he asked Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus. And Pilate gave him permission. So he came and took the body of Jesus. Why was Nicodemus afraid of the Jews? He wasn't born again yet. He still had a spirit of fear. You do not. Notice 3B. Your deeds don't have to be in secret. Why? You don't function out of the flesh. What was he functioning out of? The flesh. Why? He wasn't born again yet. If you're born again and you function out of your spirit, there ain't a single thing you should ever do that you should ever feel ashamed of or think you should have to hide or do in secret. The only thing that causes you to hide what you do and do it in secret is because you're functioning out of your flesh and not your spirit, man. Thank you for all your amends about that. If you're a believer functioning out of your spirit, you have no reason to ever be in any way concerned about hiding the deeds that you're doing because you're doing exactly what the Word of God teaches you. Back up to John 9. John chapter 9. There's nothing to keep us from being courageous anymore. I said there's nothing, not the Jews, come on, not, not being afraid of what others may think and I got to sneak around at night as a believer. I don't want people to know I'm going to church so I can't go during the day. I'm going to wait till at nighttime so they don't see me going down to that Christian faith fellowship down there. Because I don't want people giving me a hard time about going to church. 
John 9. You still with me? 18. But the Jews did not believe concerning him that he had been blind. This was the blind man that Jesus had healed. They did not believe concerning him he had been blind and received his sight until they called the parents of him who had received his sight. So they didn't even believe the very guy who had been blind and now gave a testimony that he was no longer blind. So they called his parents. They asked them in verse 19 saying, Is, is this your son? Who you say was born blind, how, then is it, how, how is it that he now sees? How is this possible? His parents answered them and he said, We know that this is our son and that he was born blind. Now let me help you. He's already testified to them how this happened. They very well know. Watch this, verse 21. But by what means he now sees, we do not know. Or who opened his eyes, we do not know. They're lying. Watch this. He is of age, ask him. He will speak for himself. Why? His parents said these things because they feared the Jews. They knew who healed him. Now they didn't, they may not have known it was the Messiah, but obviously they knew that a man came, laid his hands on him, and obviously he was healed. Why would they not speak up? Fear of the Jews. Verse 22, they feared the Jews for the Jews had agreed already that if anyone confessed he was the Christ, he would be put out of the synagogue. Well, we certainly can't do that because if we confess that he was the Christ who healed him, our place in the synagogue is, synagogue is gone. You'd be better off out of that religious place and walking with the disciples in the New Testament church. 23, therefore his parents said, he is of age, ask him. They should have had no problem saying, well, we know he said it was this man Jesus. Now, they could have said, we don't know if he's the Messiah or not. Jesus later reveals himself to this guy again and says, it was me that healed you. He knew it was, obviously, when he sees him. But I'm just telling you, why did these people do this? 3C, you don't have to cower down to anyone. Why? Because like these people, clearly you've now been what? Born again. They haven't been. These people were not born again. You have been. Why did they cower down? Not born again. What do they function out of? Old Adamic nature. Guess what you don't have anymore? Old Adamic nature. I mean, you do in the sense of your soul, but not in your spirit. You can now function out of that new spirit, man, and not do any of those things. 3A, you don't have to sneak around the dark of night. 3B, your deeds don't have to be done in secret. 3C, you don't have to cower down anymore. Why? You're not Nicodemus. Right? You're also not Joseph of Arimathea, and you're certainly not the parents of a blind man, all of which weren't born again. You're now born again, so none of these should be you. Number four, you can be what? Bold, brave, and confident. Come on. You can be bold, brave, and confident. Proverbs 28. Proverbs 28. Don't always think of an Old Testament verse. Well, that's Old Testament. They weren't born again yet. Oh, but there's many... Old Testament verses that refer to when we would be. This is one of them. Uh, Proverbs 28, because you and I are now the righteousness of God through the gift of righteousness. Proverbs 28, verse 1, if you're there, say amen. amen. Notice this, the wicked flee when no one pursues, but the righteous are what? Oh, Underline it. Amen. Are you the righteous? Yeah, you've been born again. You're now righteous in God. What are you supposed to be? Come on, somebody. See, when you face timidity or challenges of fear or something that would try to overtake you with a perspective of not being bold, what should you say? No, I'm the righteous and I'm bold as a lion. Because that's who God made me to be. 
Again, the wicked flee. The wicked flee when no one pursues, but the righteous are bold as a lion. 4A on your notes, boldness comes from what? Righteousness. Now this righteousness, if you look it up, the word righteous means a loyalty to your God. So you began that the moment you got born again. Once I'm born again, I should be walking in boldness because I should be walking in loyalty toward God. The whole reason why you got born again was to be loyal to Him. And if you are walking in a loyalty to God, guess what? You should be bold about your life. If I'm not walking in a loyalty to God, what am I doing? I'm walking in my fleshly nature. Right? Loyalty to God means I'm operating out of this new man that he gave me. Remember what Jesus said? Go learn what this means. Hosea 6.6, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. Go to Hosea 6.6, I desire mercy. In the English, again, look it up, loyalty, which means what? Your steadfast, devoted love. You give God your steadfast, devoted love, you're going to function out your spirit, man. You have no reason, therefore, to not be bold as a lion. You know what still is your boldness as a believer then? Not living a loyal life to Jesus. Even though you're righteous, even though you're born again, if you're not functioning out of that spirit, man, you function out of your flesh, you're not going to live in a life that's loyal to Jesus. Function out of your flesh and you're going to, let your, you're going to do what your flesh wants to do. Back to Jane's message. The old me is going to rise up. <clears throat> right? If you function out of your spirit and somebody wrongs you, you're going to do what your spirit teaches you to do, not what your flesh wants to do. If you do what your flesh wants to do, you're going to do wrong on the side of God. You do wrong on the side of God, guess what that's going to cost you some of? Your boldness. What do I do if I get in the flesh? Repent, get back in the boldness. Can I get a better amen? The more you walk in a loyalty towards God, a devoted, steadfast love, the more you're going to operate out of your spirit, the more bold you're going to be. You can be bold, brave, and confident. Any amens on that? Go to Ephesians 6. Let's look at some other verses. Ephesians 6. If you ever again hear yourself saying that I'm just not one to be very bold. I'm just one of those that's kind of timid and shy. You correct yourself and say, no, that's not who the new person is. That person's long gone. Long gone. Ephesians chapter 6. So first and foremost, boldness, we're talking here under number four, that you can be bold, brave, and confident. What brings about boldness? First of all, 4A comes from what? Righteousness. Being right with God and being what? Therefore loyal to God. The moment you're right with God, you got boldness. Stay loyal in your walk with God, you'll stay bold. Can I get a better amen? 4B, boldness also comes from what? Prayer. Boldness comes from prayer, Ephesians 6, 19. Paul said, and pray for me. He was talking here in verse 18, praying always with all prayer, supplication. And pray for me, pray for me that utterance may be given to me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. So guess what you can actually see of an increase of boldness in your life come from? Prayer. Ask God to make you bold. Paul was asking them to pray that he would be bold. Right? Book of Acts chapter 4, after they actually got, Peter and John got arrested and released, they came back to the rest of the disciples and they said, they told us to quit speaking in this name. They said, don't you dare talk about this name anymore. Don't be speaking this name anymore. So you know what they did? Well, I guess we better shut up then. 
Yeah, they did. Lord, give us boldness that we do what? Speak up even louder. So boldness also comes from what? Comes from prayer. C, boldness also comes from what? Fearless preaching. Acts, go to Acts chapter 9. Boldness will come from fearless preaching because the effect of what you hear can certainly cause an effect on your life. And therefore, if you're around, as pastor would say, a tea sipping, you know, cooking nibbling, you know, uh, pansy waist preacher, you're probably not going to have much boldness because they ain't going to be uh, obviously preaching boldness to you. But boldness comes from fearless preaching. When, preaching. when preachers are not afraid to tell you the truth and to tell you who you are and how you can walk in this life, boldness will come up, help, that'll help for boldness to come upon you. Notice Acts chapter 9, 27 through 29. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. This is Saul before he was then changed to the name of Paul. He's now had his Damascus Road experience. And he declared to them how he saw, how he, excuse me, Barnabas had seen the, uh, I'm sorry, how he saw had seen the Lord on the road and that he, Jesus, had spoken to him and how, this is what I was thinking, how he, he, Saul, had preached boldly. Right. What did he do? He preached boldly yeah. at Damascus in the name of Jesus. So he was with them in Jerusalem coming in and going out and he did what? What did he do? He spoke boldly in the name of the Lord Jesus and disputed against the Hellenists, but they attempted to kill him. Think about the opposition who Paul's facing here. Paul was the guy in agreement with all these people now in opposition to him. He was in agreement with them. They didn't believe Jesus was the Messiah. They still wanted all the, the preeminence. I think a lot of them knew it. They just want to accept it because they didn't like the attention being taken away from them. And so Paul, thinking he was doing right by God, was in agreement with all these leaders. He had letters from all the leaders of that day to go into any city and find anybody who were of the way following Jesus and drag them back to Jerusalem to even be stoned and left for dead. He held all the coats of the people who stoned Stephen. And now what is he doing? Now he's born again. Now he's preaching boldly, and that bold preaching is bringing what? More boldness on him to confront the very ones that obviously now want to take his life. But he ain't backing down. Why? Because he's preaching boldly. He's proclaiming boldly what he knows the Bible's clear about, what Jesus had revealed to him. So again, foresee boldness comes from what? Fearless preaching. Get around fearless preachers. That's why I love Summerall's. That's why I love Barclays. I've always loved my pastor's preaching. Why? He's a fearless preacher. He ain't afraid to tell you anything the Bible says. If somebody's afraid to tell you something the Bible says, you think you're going to walk in boldness? Well, I'm afraid to tell you because you might run off and leave me. Well, let me help you. If you're so afraid that you tell somebody what the Bible says that they would run off and leave you, guess what? You ain't going to make a disciple of Jesus out of them. They're going to keep living in bondage. And clearly, if you ever decide to start speaking the truth, they're going to leave you anyway. It ain't about what you're saying. It's a problem on the other end with the person receiving it. Can I get a better amen? I would much rather, what would you rather have? Now, I don't mean, don't misunderstand me. I don't mean beat you over the head, make you feel like you're a nobody, like you're a nothing. You're just a worthless nothing that somehow maybe God will somehow spare and get to heaven. Have you ever felt that way in this church? I mean, seriously, have you ever heard any messages that just made you feel like you're an absolute worthless nobody and I shouldn't even be walking with God or serving God? 
Now listen, you got to understand that a good minister of the gospel is going to preach all the Bible to help you become the soldier God created you to be, that you already are. Can I get a better amen? And sometimes that ain't going to always feel good what you hear because it's dealing with the old fleshly nature. That's what we're trying to deal with and get rid of so you can rise up even in a greater strength and boldness. Can I get a better amen? So I'm not talking about somebody who makes you feel like you're a nothing and they don't tell you who you are in Christ and they don't talk about the reality of what you've been given as a child of God. I'm not talking about that. But I would much rather be under somebody who's a little bit more leaning towards the strict side telling me the truth than somebody who's over here in the, you know, loosey-goosey, you know, uh, you know, uh, uh, gospel of uh, overcome, over of uh, what do we call it now? I can't even think. The grace message. The, the uh, greasy grace. They don't, what do they call it? Hyper grace. Thank you. The hyper, I don't want the hyper grace preacher who won't tell me the whole truth, who wants to tickle my itching ears and won't give me the truth of God's word. I'd much rather have somebody as a bold preacher. If you think, how many have heard pastor in the last, say, two, three years, obviously, like here? How many have heard him? How many have heard him 20 years ago? Did you? You, I guarantee you what, he was different 20 years ago. <laughs> you learned to temper some, but I still love that preacher 20 years ago because I knew he was speaking the truth. Right. Yes. Listen in. Yes. You go back to me 20 years ago. I was, a little, I was even a little more different 20 years But you know why? Because I've always, you know what teachers see the Bible as? Black and white. We don't see it as gray. It's absolutes. It's black and white. This ain't hard to figure out. Amen. All right, so boldness comes from what? Fearless preaching. For D, boldness also comes from who? Jesus Christ. Christ. Let's look at it. Ephesians 3. Ephesians chapter 3. Give me a good commander in the army of God that will speak to me straight. I'm like Dr. Barclay, man. You know, when he connected with, uh, you know, Billy Falling years ago, he said, you know, Pastor, don't misunderstand me, but I just noticed this about you. You, you just kind of treat everybody else with, like, kid gloves. He said, well, Mark, he said, for most of them I have to because they're still baby Christians. Talking about dealing with them directly, not like, you know, preaching from the pulpit. And he said, don't ever do that with me. You can't offend me. I'm telling you, as a Marine, you can't offend me. I need your help in the worst way. If I do something stupid, don't look at me and try to, try to you know, smooth it over and warm it over. Just look at me and say, Mark, that was stupid. That was dumb. You shouldn't have done that. Just tell me the truth. Because I want to hear the truth. Even if it hurts, I want to hear the truth. Right. Ephesians chapter 3. If you don't hear the truth, you're hearing obviously something that ain't true. In whom? Talking about in Jesus. In Jesus, because if you back up here, verse 11, according to the eternal purpose which he the Father accomplished in Christ Jesus, our Lord, so we know who he's talking about, in whom we have what? Boldness. Underline it. In Christ we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in him. So if our faith is in Jesus, we access this boldness. Did you get that? We have boldness in Christ. How? By our faith in him. By our faith in all that Jesus did for us, we now have what? We have a boldness that will rise up within us because our faith isn't in us. Our faith is in Jesus. Philippians, turn over uh, one book here, the book of Philippians chapter 1. You'll see another verse on this. Philippians chapter 1. 
We'll throw in verse 19. For I know that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayer and supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. 20. According to my earnest expectation and hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed. In what? In nothing. In nothing I shall be ashamed. But with all what? Come on, tell me. With all boldness, as always, so now also Christ will be magnified in my body, whether by life or by death. So if I'm obeying Jesus, great boldness will come upon me because I'm putting faith in my Savior. And then 4E, boldness also comes from what? Boldness can come from others' testimony. Same chapter, just back up a little bit. Philippians chapter 1, back up to verse 12. Back up to verse 12. I want you to know, brethren, that the things which happened to me. Now, the moment Paul said the things which happened to me, what's he doing? Testifying. He's talking about things that happened to him. That's a testimony. When you talk about things that have happened to you and what God did, that's a testimony. I want you to know, brethren, that the things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel. All the attacks on him, being arrested, being beaten, have actually all turned out to further the gospel. 13, so that it has become evident, listen to this, to the whole palace guard and to all the rest that my chains are in Christ. And most of the brethren in the Lord, having become confident by my chains, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Even though they've seen what I've gone through, they've seen what God has done through my life and how he has brought me through every situation. And that has brought now even a greater boldness on the other believers. So powerful testimonies can bring a great boldness on somebody else. Let me tell you, especially helping one another. You know somebody going through a situation, you've been through it and come out of it just like Paul. Guess what you can do? Your testimony can help them rise up in a boldness and a confidence in God. Why? He's no respecter of persons. He's the same God. You can tell somebody, hey, he's the same God. Yeah, but you don't know what I'm going through. Been there, done that, bought the shirt. He's the same God. Let me tell you my testimony. See, we should testify to the things with one another God's done for us that can be a help to each other to bring boldness on us. Well, hey, if God did that for them... You know what You know what helps you walk in a great boldness as a believer reading this New Testament? You're reading all kinds of testimonies. All kinds of testimonies. What God did for Paul and for Peter. Come on. And for James. And for John. And for Stephen. Even in the midst of what he went through. And so what you're reading is you're reading what? Great testimonies. Can I get a better amen? Then E on your notes for E. Boldness also comes from what? Communion with God. Hebrews chapter 4. What's communion mean? It is, it is a type of fellowship. What's the word communion directly mean? Thank you. To be one with. If I'm, if I'm drawing close to God, fellow, close fellowship with God, what am I doing? I'm walking in the reality of my oneness with God. That's communion with God. Where's the primary way you do that? Word of God. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16. Let us... Therefore, come. Everybody say it out loud. Like you haven't already? Because you do. (laughs) Say it one more time. Let us come boldly to the throne of grace. God's presence. God's presence. That we may obtain mercy and find grace 
To help in what? Time of need. Come to our God, get in his presence, find mercy, meaning what? Even if I've done wrong, he's merciful. And find or discover, that word means grace, God's help. You get close to God, you'll find out of, of his help that's available in your time of need, and you'll become what? Even more bold. So boldness also comes from what? Comes from communion with God. Time that you truly draw near and get close to God. Last one, 4G, boldness comes from what? Perfect love. 1 John chapter 4. <clears throat> what is perfect love? I'll show you. 1 John chapter 4. Some would say, well, that would be God. Well, God just is love. He's perfect. But what is perfect love according to the scripture here? Let's look at it. 1 John chapter 4. If you're there, say amen. amen. If you're not, say oh, me. <clears throat> All right. Great. Praise God. Everybody's there. Verse 17. Love has been perfected among us. Love has been what? Perfected. Come to a completion among us. In this, that we may have what? Tell me. In the day of what? <clears throat> there is a judgment to come. There is a judgment to come. I heard somebody say the day, you know, I just see God as the same. <clears throat> you know, God's always been the same. God doesn't change. I agree. Even the Bible says in the context of the book of Malachi chapter 1, I am the Lord, I don't change. I don't change. So they want to say, I just see God as a God of love. A God of. He's not a God of, he's love. <clears throat> you listening? There's a difference. He's not a God of, he is love itself. But love itself also deals with evil. It would be an unloving thing to let a murderer who came before a judge in our day today who's been proven and, and admits to the fact that they murdered somebody, took a life. It would be an unloving thing to turn them back out on the street let them go do it to somebody else. That ain't love. Love says, okay, we got to judge this guy or we don't protect everybody else. This guy's proven that he doesn't have a heart to do what's right. So my love... Is not going to let him go back out on the street. You listening? See, love is just. Love does what's right. God whose love is also a God of justice. You're going to love the fact that God who is love is a God of justice when we get to the end of all things. Because he's going to deal with Satan. That's called love. Now, he's not going to damn anybody in the context of who they are as it relates to the individual, but because they rejected him. Therefore, because of that, that truly has declared to them who they are as a sinner, and he can't have sin in his presence. But there is a judgment to come, even for the believer. Again, love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. As he is, so are we. As he is, so are we. As he is, so are we. So, when love has come to a completion, perfect, a perfected love, a completion in us, guess what we have? Boldness. For what? The judgment that we're about to face. I'm going to show you what this means. So, if you and I walk in a form of understanding of perfected love or complete love, a love that we understand and know and have no question about in our heart about God, we're not concerned or fearful about the judgment that we're about to face. You listening? But if I don't walk in a perfected love, even as a believer, a love that's complete and understanding, I could fear what's to come. And there's two judgments. One's the white throne judgment. One's the judgment seat of Christ. Who's going to the judgment seat of Christ? All who do, who do know Jesus and don't deny him. 
Don't denounce him. Who's going to the white throne judgment? Everybody else that rejected him. But you can have boldness even at the, at the judgment seat of Christ. Because you're not going to lose your salvation there. You're going to be judged for the works you did. Works? Yeah, he's going to judge you for the works you did. Why? Because you're going to get rewarded. God's a rewarder. He's going to give out rewards. Most believe without a doubt, as the Bible reveals, these are crowns that will be given to us. For things we did in relationship to being faithful to our God. It's in the Bible. And then there's going to come a time when we all get to go in the throne, uh, throne room of God. And guess what we get to now do? We get to go lay our crowns at the feet of our Jesus to thank Him for what He did for us. We don't need the crown. The crown is a way that we get to go honor Jesus for what He did for us. But you got to understand this. How many want to have boldness in that day of judgment? How many don't want to cower, be fearful about the judgment seat of Christ? What do you need to do? You need to walk in a perfected love. So how do I do that? Boldness comes from what? Perfect love. 1 John chapter 1. Back up and I'll show you. 1 John chapter 1. 1 John chapter 1. Actually, I got that incorrect on your notes. I apologize. It's actually 1 John chapter 2. Change that on your notes there. 1 John 2, 3 through 5. What is a perfected love? If you really understand how much God loves you and cares about you, let, let, me, back it, let me back up this way. Let me show you this way. If, if I know that my parent truly loves me as a child growing up, and therefore my parent tells me now, Johnny, don't go do this because if you do, here's what will happen and you'll hurt your life. If I know that my dad or my mom loves me and what they're telling me is true and I don't let my fleshly nature rule me, guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to do what my parent told me to do. Right. You know why I'm going to do it? Because I know they love me. Yeah. Protecting my life. I'm not going to do it because it's some command I got to keep. No. Right? right? I mean, there's a time as a parent you got to say, I don't care whether you think I love you or not. You're going to do what I told you to do. So there's some training that has to go on. I'm just saying how different when a child knows they love me. Yeah. So if I truly know God loves me, why would I not do everything God tells me in the word? Right. Why would I not witness? Why would I not go to church? Why would I not spend time with him in the word? Why would I not do the things he tells me? If I know he loves me, all that he tells me is for my good. It's all for the betterment of my life. It's going to make my life better. Isn't that right? You know why a lot of people don't do what God says? I'll tell you why. Because they don't know how much God loves them. 1 John 2, 3. By this we know that we know him. Intimate. This is how we know we know him. If we do what? Now, before you go any further, don't look past verse 3 yet. I'm going to tell you why. Because God is love. If you know him, guess what you know? Come on, help me preach tonight. If you know God, what do you know? You know love. I mean, if you really know him intimately, guess what you know? He loves me. And as the example I just gave, if he loves me, guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to keep his commands because I know they're for my benefit. I know they're for my, for, for my good. Verse 4, he who says, I know him intimately, knows God, but does not keep his commandments, he's a liar. And the truth's not in him. You couldn't get to know God intimately, realize how much God loves you, and then not do what God tells you to do. You get to know how much God loves you and how awesome he is in relationship to love. Well, you're going to do everything he tells you because you know how it's all because he loves me. Verse 5, whoever keeps his word... 
Whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected. Perfect love does cast out fear. Perfect love, therefore, gives what did he say over there? Boldness. I have boldness in the day of judgment because I'm now walking in, I'm walking in the light of what? Perfected love. Whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is what? Perfected in him. And by this, again, we know that we are in him. Or in other words, in a close relationship with God. So this boldness coming from perfect love means, verse 5 doesn't say, so just go keep his word and you'll find out how much he loves you. No, find out how much he loves you and you'll keep his word. You listening? Get to know him, love, and if you get to know him, love, you'll want to keep his word. Now listen to what we're talking about, about the judgment to come for the believer. If I know him and I get to know how much he loves me, and therefore I'm going to keep his word, do I have any fear of the judgment to come? None. Zero. Come on, somebody. Because even if I miss it and get in a fleshy moment, I ain't staying there. I know God loves me. I'll repent of that. I'll say, I'm sorry, Father. I know I shouldn't have done that. I know that was wrong. I know you love me. Thank you, praise God, that you're going to forgive me and cleanse me because you love me. And I want to do what you told me to do, not because I have to, because you love me. Why do so many people have such a hard time honoring God and honoring God's word? They don't know him. Because if they get to know him, they're going to get to know love. If you know back to my parents' story that he loves you, why would you not do And see, this is where a lot of times religion makes this the opposite. The religious side says, well, if you'll obey God's words, you'll find out how much he loves you. No, if you actually truly get to know God, you'll get to know love. And if you get to know love, you'll keep his commands. Look at it one more time. Look at verse 3. Now now by this we know that we know him. How is it we know that we know him? Because we keep his commandments. Well, why do we keep his commandments? Verse 4, because he who says, I know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar. Commandments is his commandments. His commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. Why? Verse 5, because whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. Come to completion. The love of God being perfected in you means because I know him, right? I mean, you go on, you, you all know this. If you go down further into chapter 3, it tells you God is love. He who knows God knows love. So if you get to know God, what do you get to know? Love. And if you get to know love, what, what would you do? Keep his word. And if I keep his word, am I going to fear the judgment to come? Not at all. No. I can't wait to get there. Amen. I don't fear it. I ain't like put it off, God. <laughs> I don't want to get there yet. No, I'm ready for it, man, today. Come on, let's go. Hallelujah. Can I get a better amen? There is no reason for the child of God to have any form of timidity, any form of bashfulness. Why? Because you don't have such a spirit. You have a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. Walk in the light of these truths. Continue to fan the flame in you and walk in boldness as a child of God. You know why? You know why? You know why? You know why? The world needs to see him like never before.
We pray that you are blessed by the message Pastor Baker shared with you today. For more spiritual resources that can help you in your walk with God, or to invite Pastor Baker as a guest speaker, just go to our website at cffchurch.com. You will find additional teachings by video, audio, and printed resources that will be a blessing to you. May God's very best be yours. Thank you.